DJ PK and David Locke joining us. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Excellent. As much as everybody wants to look back, I want to look forward. The ten oh, game winning wow. Yeah, the ten game winning streak is history, but it's been a great month and a half. And I think everyone's got a lot more confidence in the team they had. But we know there have been a lot of big games. That Clipper game does stand out as a quality win. But between now and the All-Star break, we've got like eight games against teams that we know are good. Home and home with Denver and Dallas and Houston. Haven't seen those teams yet, so that'll be fun. Uh, Miami and Indiana, who both beat them on the road, are now coming in uh, to Utah to play before the All-Star break. What do you expect out of the Jazz in this stretch? Because if they crush it in this stretch, there's a little bit of reservation now because everyone knows the schedule's been soft. People are excited, but they're not totally letting themselves go. But if they crush it in this next stretch, you know, then, then the hype goes over the top. Yeah, I mean, I think... <clears throat> um, I mean, there's obviously, I guess... I don't know what the reservation is, I guess. Um like, I think the Jazz have shown that they're one of the four or five best teams in the NBA. Like, I think that's pretty clear. Um, now, are they one of the one or two best? I guess that's if someone's waiting to see that is, I guess, what the reservation is. Um, but I, I'm not. Um, so we'll see. I mean, yeah, sure. If you go and take a back to back and win in San Antonio and in Denver on a back to back. Sure. It's also, I mean, I don't know, like the chances of that are probably like 12%. So, um, I guess, yeah. So if you want to play on the margins and, um, you know, try to go win games that you have, you know, or sequences of games that you have, you know, a 10 or 12 or 15% chance of, of doing. And if you go do those, then, you know, anoint the team, I guess, but I'm not, I'm not sure that I'm online with this kind of thought process. I think that, they certainly have, you know, taken advantage of um, a schedule that has um, had some, you know, advantages to it. They also took advantage of every single one, which is pretty unlikely also. So, um, you know, if you have a 60% chance of winning, a coin that flips 60% of the time your way, you don't actually get it 10 times in a row. So I think that, I think that they've shown what they need to show. I hate the floater, particularly Conley's right-handed floater, and I think that, and back me up or correct me, what have you, I think one of the reasons for Donovan Mitchell's improved play, it doesn't seem like he's shooting the floater, and so he's coming and make that basket from a little more uh, uh, further away from the bucket, but he's more under control. Can you back me up, or you you dis- disagree? Yeah, so they've changed the angles by which he's attacking, and his floater percentage is through the roof right now, probably unrealistically. Um I'd have to check my most recent numbers on it, but, you know, as of a few days ago, he'd been like 14 days at 56%. Um, but he was coming straight at the basket. The big was dropping. It was all kind of on the same plane. He was, my opinion, he was floating it and still moving forward, which is an incredibly difficult shot. If you watch now, he's coming from different sides and angles and approach points, and then he's able to kind of almost come to a stop so that it's more of like a five-foot jump shot or eight-foot jump shot. Not really, because he is still kind of pushing it up there. But rather than an on-the-run floater, the on-the-run floater is just an incredibly low percentage shot because it's incredibly difficult. Doesn't a lot of that go away now because he got more shooters? If you run the pick-and-roll, the floater isn't going to be the only thing available to you now. Either you'll get to the hoop or Rudy will be there for a lob. And if not, one of the three-point shooters is open. I, I don't think they need to shoot that shot as much because of the way the team shoots the ball from the perimeter now. 
Well, I mean, I also think, you know, Quinn's been teaching them kind of to change their approach when they get in there. Be, you know, come to, come to a little bit of a stop, look to fake, get your feet set, be ready to, um, you know, be ready to make a pass if necessary. So there's a, the, the Jazz have improved the approach that they were taking to those shots as well. Um, and, you know, to PK's point, um, I just pulled up. Oh, no, I pulled up Emmanuel Moutier. So I'll, I'll pull up Donovan in a second and see whether. I feel like he's still taking as many. He's just making. How about uh, Bogdanovich when his feet are set and he's open on the three? What's his percentage? Because my, my, my I, thinking, it's got to be at least 50. I believe his open three percentage is over 50%. His catch and shoot uh, three percentage is about forty four. Um, it's great, right? I mean, if he's open, it's deadly. The Brooklyn Nets broadcast, Sarah Kuskoff, their analyst, just early in the game, put a Donovan Mitchell, um, Rudy Gobert pick and roll on the screen, and then just put a number on top of the four players that were on the outside, and the four and the numbers were, you know, forty three, forty three, forty five, and that was the three point percentage of each player, and that was. And she's right. And on the other end, that was kind of almost, I thought, you know, um, the easy version of it. Because if Bogdanovich has a defender more than six feet away, then he's 50%. And if Bogdanovich is a catch and shoot, then he's at that 42% you're talking about. Um, even You know, he's one of the better contested three-point shooters in the league last year. It's not uh, shown yet this year. But last year he was, uh, actually think, the best contested three-point shooter. So he can get, you know, he's got such a quick release. But you're absolutely right. I mean, when he's open, it's, it's, it's stealing. So there are 34 players in the league shooting 40% or better, and the Jazz have four of them. Is that going to change, or are they going to shoot it like this the rest of the year? No, I mean, I think that's what all of us thought when the year started. I mean, I had this as the number one or two offense in the NBA, and it didn't start that way. But that was not because of the starters, right? Like, So league average offensive rating is about 110. Um, if you look at our starting group and <clears throat> you look at their three- and four-man lineup numbers, uh, our starting group kind of universally right now is – at 116, 117, 118, um, and they're the you know they're the best best there are in the league, and the, they've been that way all season long. The problem was that when we went to the bench, we were like 84, 90. I mean, it was really it was a disaster. So now that that's not a disaster anymore, um, I think that you're seeing that this you know that this is this is what our offensive rating. I think in the last 15 games is a 118 point. Three, the next best in the league is a 116.6. League average, as I said, is now up to a 111 with New Orleans. <clears throat> um, so I, I think that there's a legitimate chance that we have the best offense in the NBA uh, for exactly the reasons <clears throat> excuse me, that you're talking about. I mean, here's the numbers. When Gobert, Ingles, O'Neal, and Mitchell are on the floor, so this is the starting five without Boyan, the offense is a 119.5. Jordan Clarkson, Emmanuel Moutier, George Niang, Donovan Mitchell on the floor. Doesn't play, hasn't played a lot, but <clears throat> 119. Bogdanovich, Gobert, Ingles, O'Neal, so that's the starters without Donovan, 119. Um, so any of the starter groups are about 119. Put Mike Conley in there, it's 117. Put Jordan Clarkson, George Niang, Donovan Mitchell, Tony Bradley in there, it's 116. I mean, there's just, and there, you know, we're not at a great sample size. With All these are about nine, at least 100 minutes, a little short on one. But it's pretty consistent. Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, Royce O'Neal, Donovan Mitchell, 115. And so how is it possible that this team is not, um, 
you know, the best offense in the NBA right now? Well, because earlier in the year, when you put some of these lineups out on the floor together, you know, it it was a disaster. Jeff Green, Joe Ingles, George Niang, Donovan Mitchell was a 90. Jeff Green, Boyan, Gobert, and O'Neal was an 86. Mike Conley, Jeff Green, Boyan, and Rudy was a 78. Yes. And so we've eliminated that aspect of, of the lineups. Jeff Green was part of like seven three foursomes that was below 100. Um, there are still some that, you know, we still have one or two dead spots in our um, in our grouping, and we'll see what happens. There's a Moutier lineup with Clarkson that's not always as good as we'd like it to be. Um, and so we'll see how that all plays out. Do you think they're done making any roster moves? Nope. Now, does that mean a roster move will be made? Um, no, but I do I think like that Justin Zanuck and Dennis Lindsay are sitting on their um, – hands right now and saying oh we're good no i don't that's not how they work no that's maybe like four days in august i get that but i'm wondering if that if you i mean i think it's gonna be really really difficult to make a move they just don't have but i thought it was gonna be impossible to make a move before jordan clarkson too so um um you know i just didn't think they had any pieces to i thought they were you know trying to play stratego without you know without any you know pieces that could protect you so or you could trade out like i just didn't think they had the pieces on the board but they found a way to do it impressively so it seems to me that every time tony bradley checks in the game the other team immediately attacks the hoop foul issues for him foul issues for other guys and you know how it works in a playoff assuming there's no roster changes between now and then teams try to find the weakest link and they go at you unmercifully Unmercifully. Unmercifully. <laughs> Thank you, PK. <laughs> How much can he improve between now and then? What can they do to change that? Because that seems to be a just the focus of every team they play. Well, I thought Scott Brooks was really revealing after the Washington game. Scott Brooks said literally, like, well, I think we lost this game because we didn't attack Tony Bradley enough. I was like, what? Like, he played 15 minutes. But that was the approach, right? The The... There's so much respect for Rudy and an understanding of how great Rudy is that if we're going to be able to if we're going to be able to win this game, we're going to have to do it in the 14 minutes that Tony Bradley's on the floor. I'm not sure how much of it is Tony Bradley and how much of it that he's not Rudy Gobert, um, but it is clear that you know it's like a big, huge memo goes out to everybody that says Rudy Gobert is not on the floor. Go to the rim and. You can see it. Even Brandon Ingram last night, you saw him, you know, attack immediately late the minute Rudy went out after, you know, Brandon Ingram was just incredible last night. Um, but I, so, I, and I don't have the answer here for you of whether this is a Tony Bradley problem or, you know, we saw the same thing with Ed Davis, frankly. Um, so Derek Favors, they didn't do it to as much, though they did do it, but not as much. And that Derek Favors is like one of the top 15 centers in the NBA. That was an anomaly. We're not going to have that ever again where you have happen to have, you know, one of the top 10 or 15 centers in the NBA as your backup center. So I'm not. I'm not convinced that Tony Bradley in the realm of backup centers is that bad. Um, I just think he's not Rudy Gobert. Can I throw one at you guys? Go. Three major moves in the offseason. The rule in the NBA always was that the better player makes the trade better. Like if you get yeah. Charles Barkley and you, you know Jeff Hornacek, those trades. Okay, so three major moves last year. Let's ignore draft picks for a second. Paul George for Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Danilo Gallinari. Who got the better end of that trade? Yeah, I don't think we know yet because if the Clippers win the title, then it's the Clippers. Right, but, but Shea Gilgis-Alexander is great. He is? Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, to your point, Oklahoma City did very well moving their star player because right. usually that puts you at a major disadvantage, and they, they did well for themselves. So without draft picks, I'm not sure that I don't think – that you flip those two. I don't think the Thunder are better with Paul George instead of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Danilo Gallinari. And I don't think the Clippers are worse with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, than Paul George. Yeah, but the Clippers were trying to get better, not trying to not be worse. Well, I, I think they could get – like, I guess I actually think that, you know, Shea Gilgis – they wouldn't have got Kawhi. I got it. But my point is, without draft picks, right, there's a million draft picks involved in this. Yeah. Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, who got the better end of the deal? Come on, it's not even close. <laughs> well, you don't, you don't so like Westbrook, though. Outlet. It could have been Westbrook but, and Exum, and you would have gone with Exum. You don't like Westbrook. But Well, it's not close. Chris Paul's utterly outplaying Russell Westbrook this year. Utterly. I mean, it's not even close. Is, so if that's true, is Houston or is Oklahoma City going to catch Houston in the standings? Well, they don't. No, because Chris Paul's the best player at Oklahoma City, and Houston is James Harden. And so James Harden will make sure the Rockets stay in front of the Thunder. James Harden's having one of the most incredible seasons of all time. And Russell, the only reason it's not getting more publicity is because people don't like James Harden and because Russell Westbrook's like an anchor. Um, and then, I got to tell you what, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and Josh Hart for Anthony Davis? It's not like one-sided. I think that there's a uh, trend here in both the Laker and Clipper deals is no one wants to trust young guys to get better. And if they do get better, do they get better on a team that's in the middle of the league? Can they deliver for the best teams in the biggest moments? And veterans and management largely think the answer to that is no because the history of the NBA says the answer to that is largely no. Right. And we may have gotten to an age where winning a championship is crazy expensive of what it's going to cost you in the long run. Possibly, yeah. The other one, the other one that'll be interesting is over time. We all love the draft picks, and we give Sam Presti all of this credit for getting all these draft picks, which is you know, yeah. Let's see, how, like the value of draft picks is an interesting concept, right? So, fifty percent of all players drafted after eleventh in the NBA become rotation players um, in the first round. Only fifty percent. So, you know, sometimes I think when the trade is made, there's an overvalue to what the value of draft picks are, but it's pretty incredible to me that those three deals right now, which may also all be wins for the teams that made them, right? Chris Paul and James Harden clearly could no longer coexist. Anthony Davis has pushed the Lakers to 33-8, and eight, and they're the best team in the league in the, Ameri- in the Western Conference. And, you know, Paul, we'll see what happens with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs, I actually am not convinced that Danilo Gallinari and Shea Gildas Alexander might not just be better there, but we'll see. Um, you know, so you're right to the point of if they win a championship, but I think that maybe the lesson is that winning the championship is going to turn out to be awfully expensive. Plus, I also think in today's world, with the amount of coaching and the sophistication, that players can get better than in prior ages. And I also think there's more quality players. So in the old days, if you made a three for one, you were probably getting three average. Now you can get, and this is just my theory, it may be off the wall, but I, I think you can get younger players that can get better. So there's more quality guys out there. So if you make those trades, you're not looking so one lops- one-sided or lopsided as they may have been in the past. And the other one I didn't always believe in is that a player switching, and I'm not sure I still believe in it, um, that I, I always think the mistake franchises make is when they think they'll change a player 
Um, I always think that's a little bit of a um, concern. But, boy, the Brandon Ingram evolution to New Orleans, and New Orleans is not known as a player development hub, um, is pretty incredible. I mean, you know, one, he's taking five more shots a game in the same amount of time, so they certainly are, like, give, they're turning the game over to him. And it was interesting talking to David Wesley before the game of their TV crew. He said, you know, I said, what changed? And he goes, you know what, the biggest thing that changed is that Brandon – began to get comfortable being the man. He was just really uncomfortable early in the year when we tried to turn games over to him and now he's, you know, a grasping and certainly last night will propel him. That was that was a, as good a singular performance as you'll see. That and and the passing late was better than anything he did with the forty seven points or forty nine points. You know, the thing on him by the way, we talk about Joe Ingalls all the time, that Joe Ingalls is six eight, playing the pick and roll with his size and length and vision even though maybe he lacks some athleticism, he's super at it and can do all that. Brandon Ingram's six eight, so Brandon Ingram's playing the pick and roll with all of those skills, and then last night couldn't miss from the mid range. David, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week. My pleasure. Hope you guys are good. Get around safely today. You too. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I think in retrospect, PK, one thing, and it seemed a little weird at the time, and I think Cuban's the first person I remember doing it, although maybe I'm missing somebody, when he went and added 10 assistant coaches, and everybody's like, wow, (laughs) Don Nelson's getting all his buddies' jobs, and they're just soaking this rich guy who doesn't care and wants to hang out around all these coaches that he used to watch as a fan, but this is weird. And the truth is, that was a, a major step in the evolution of having these whole development staffs, which in retrospect, now that we've seen them work, well, it makes sense. What the problem one guy has, you know, okay, this guy isn't as good going to his left, or in Joe Ingles' case, to his right. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy doesn't shoot the three well enough. This guy needs to work on defensive stuff and have one coach work on your issues to watch your film. And before we were thinking like, I mean, the jazz development for a long time was three assistant coaches, and one of them is going to go out and throw bounce passes to get guys shots before a game. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like we went from the Stone Age mm-hmm. to the Information Age in like 30 minutes. And why didn't someone figure that out earlier? And, the, you know, clearly the whole league didn't. Uh, I don't remember. There wasn't money there, but, you know, why yeah. didn't they figure whatever out? Yeah, earlier? you're right. I mean, you can just go all over the map on that one. Well, it's working now. It's certainly working for the Jazz. We can see several guys who are clearly making progress, and other teams are having the same stuff. We just don't see their guys as close. I mean, you used to do a morning show with Gordon. I mean, why the crap didn't they figure out that I'm a thousand times better? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's so obvious now. Why didn't they figure that out earlier? That'll give Gordon and I something to talk about (laughs) on the four-hour drive to Orem for a remote this afternoon. Oh, he said he's going to pick you up, though. Oh, yeah? Okay, good. Well, is the the weather going to Ooh, you get a ride in the big rig. Yeah, sweet. Which, Which one? I'm talking about another excellent question. I'm talking about the new Jeep he got. Yeah, whatever can handle this weather and whatever. I have the, ridden in that one. That's pretty sweet. That gladiator. Like. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Ken Garf, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram. Get a new Jeep or Ram for less at Ken Garf, West Valley, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram. Visit us today. Big Show. Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? 
Sam Amick of The Athletic. Do you think we are seeing the fulfillment of the expectation for what the Jazz folks were thinking they might do this season? I mean, I think it's substantive. It's real. They deserve credit for figuring things out. They're in a really good spot, and now you've got to find a way to keep it going without having it get screwed up by getting even more help and even more talent when Mike Conley comes back. So, you know, I'm curious to see how that part goes. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Ingram will inbound. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't run the exact same play. It is the exact same play. Ingram trying to flare out to the wing. He catches. He drives. He fires with two seconds. He hits! Brandon Ingram gets payback on Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz! Ingram, uh, Ingles inbounding over Ingram, lobs to the rim, tap. And we got a foul. a foul. We got a oh. foul. Holy smokes, they called a foul. What a game. Total roller coaster ride, but in the end, the Pelicans get the win 138 132 in overtime. PK, we can pick out about 10 things that went wrong that would have swung this game. And also pick out a bunch of things that went right that. Say the Jazz are still on the right track, even though they messed up that game. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Yeah, I think you tip your hat to Ingram a little bit. He looked like Kawhi Leonard out there uh, doing his thing, going right and making those jump shots and showing us some real great ability that allowed him to be such a high pick of the Lakers. And so you got to tip your hat to him. But you're right. The Jazz had a number of things that they could have been better on and would have sealed the deal, and they didn't get it done. But... Joe Ingles missed yeah. a free throw uh, in the final minute and would have put him up four. That looked felt like that would have been big. Correct. Rudy Gobert missed a free throw. If he made two of two, they would have presumably won the game with two-tenths of a second. The Pelicans would have had the two-tenths to go down and do something. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, after the game, was bemoaning in his post-game interview a, a foul he committed that he shouldn't have committed. I thought his turnover in an otherwise brilliant second half, his turnover at the end of the third quarter, I couldn't believe that. And that was a... Possibly well, no, a he four was or hot. five point swing. He was going, yeah. Well, and they were up six, and I thought it's going to be eight or nine because Donovan's yeah. going to score. And instead, right. he turns it over and they dunk it. Right. And it's four. Right. And he pointed to himself. Yeah. We know it was on you. I appreciate you pointing it out, but we already knew that. <laughs> we did figure that one out. That turnover was out in space. We yeah. could see it. Yeah. And there's a bunch of and things you, you yeah. can look at in they, a game the like cu- that. A couple of fouls when Ingram was shooting jump shots. I know they want to contest everything because he was hot, but. Don't foul a guy who's shooting a fadeaway jumper. It's just the percentages. You're going to get hurt sending that guy to the free throw line way more often than you're going to get hurt just by him making a mid-range jumper. Either put your hands up or just go up straight. Don't lean. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want this team peaking in January. <laughs> it doesn't do anybody any good. No. If you're one of the four or five best teams, as Locke says, then you should be competing for one of the four final spots in the league. Yeah. That mean you get there, but you should at least be competing for it. So what I'm saying is they if they lose in the second round, then it better be a big time competitive series. And sometimes that happens. If it happens, so be it. But if you're one of the four or five best teams in the league, then you need to be competing then obviously for unless all four or five are in your conference, which I don't think that's the case, you should be competing for the final two spots in your conference. Which minimally means you're going six in the second round. Sweet. And win enough regular season games, so you're in that 2-3 series. Ideally. That's going to help you, for sure. 
It'll be interesting to see when they play Denver. How do they really? Because the records are very similar, and obviously the Jazz have been better since they made the moves. But when they go head to head, how's that going to play out? And they got a couple games here before Denver worries me big time. Because the Joker's legit, and he pulls well, they Rudy got a lot away from of the depth. Hoop. They're balanced. I mean, they, they, uh, Jamal Murray's out for the foreseeable future with an ankle deal, and they just bring in Beasley. Who? <laughs> and not Michael Beasley, some other guy Beasley. Will Barton went for 31 And last you got night. Barton, yeah, that's yeah. another example. I mean, yeah, yeah the, the Joker did his thing, and Porter Jr. is on the come. Uh, so they've got... Djokovic is their centerpiece for sure, but then they got a bunch of other guys, and they're doing it right now without Millsap and Murray last night anyway. Yeah, and Millsap's been and somebody else was out. Was it Harris? I'd have to double check. Yeah, you are correct. I think it was. I think it was Harris. I think Gary Harris. Dell Harris didn't play. Not Dell Gary. Cliff Harris didn't play. Old safety for uh, the Cowboys. Remember, bring him now. Famous Harris is famous Harris's. Here we are. Harrison Barton. Jazz will Harrison be back Ford. at it. Jazz will be back at it against the uh, Tom against Harris. I went to a school with a kid named Tom Harris. Sacramento Kings at home tomorrow. Good night. dude. Martin Harris for the local crowd. Who's Martin Harris? LDS figure in their history. Oh, one of the three witnesses I got lit up on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Have a little more respect, BK. Well, he just brought it up. Put some respect on. I that have game. to come clean. I'm more surprised than ever. Other things we've discussed during the show that we should catch the people up on. Ah, who knows? He finds you funny. (laughs) He finds you funny. I do find you funny. College hoops. The Cougars did what they were supposed to do. Slow start for 15 minutes against USD, but closed the first half very well, opened up a lead, and then blew them off the floor there early in the second. Smoked United States dollars. Out! 93-70, the final score. The big potato. The big potato. That nickname will stick. (laughs) Some of your nicknames are out there, and I don't know, but I'm 100% confident that the Kobe? big potato will He's from Idaho. Will play. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah. Eight for eight, 21 points, had another good game. This, isn't, this is not a one-off here. He has had multiple good games. Nothing spectacular, but steady as can be. Makes all the plays he's supposed to make. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think when you look at the BYU basketball team, the improvement from last year, the big potato stepping up with Yoli being in and out of the lineup, uh, Jake Toulson doing his thing, and then the seniors, uh, particularly Nixon and Celius, uh, giving them far, far more consistent production than maybe they had in their prior years. Now can they beat Gonzaga? No. In Spokane, 8 o'clock, ESPN2. I, this is going to make no sense whatsoever. Cool. Spit it out. <laughs> but for a team ranked number one, Gonzaga's flying under the radar. Yeah, actually, you're right. You're right. And it's hard to do that, but you're, the hype for this number one versus all the other number ones, but yeah. a big part of them is that I don't think anybody wants to buy into any number one because it doesn't look like there's much difference between the top 5, 10, 15 teams. Plus, I teams. don't think Gonzaga's had household names this year the way they've had in the past. Sabonis' son. Right, that name jumps out at yeah. you right away. And then they've had some guards that had been there for a few years. Now they got some guys that they got eligible to transfer, some foreign dudes, and so they really don't have a big-time uh, mark 
but they're really good. And I can argue, and we'll see, because this other team did go to the Final Four, that this... This is the best Kentucky it, team? It might, to say it's the best, I can't go there specifically. But to say it's the most complete, I'm more comfortable what does that translate to? I mean, in a, I don't one, know. In a one and done tournament. Yeah, I guess one and done can, matchups, injuries, really who knows? And, yeah. I mean, they beat Santa Clara by 50 last night, did they not? Wasn't it like 104 to 54? Yeah, I, you know what? Honestly, I didn't stick around for the end of that. It was on oh, TV. I saw the score. Uh, I, I didn't. No, I'm not going to. I went to bed right after the Jazz game because I knew I had to get up early with the weather. I was in bed by 9 15. I felt like a senior citizen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at uh, Gonzaga right now and I'm thinking of all these guys like Killian Tilly and I well he's been around a little bit he has been and but he's been in and out of the lineup this Petrusive is but his is brother but his brother was his at brother the U and so it resonates yeah but I don't know that it resonates nationally I agree it doesn't <laughs> no it's because of the U and it does, so it resonates to us but you're right tomorrow night there will be a lot of basketball all at once if you have one of those TVs that time of year? If you're one of those TVs where you can divvy it up, you can do the multiple screens, uh, like it's on a, on a multiplex in the man cave, that would be the time to do it because the Jazz are going to tip off at 7 with the Kings. I think the way the Jazz are going, that's priority number one by a, well, jazz are by a wide... Number, yes, yes. In a conference but tournament or NCAs. But now it's by a wider margin than usual because of uh, so much hype around the I team. I think in January it always is, but that's me. Go ahead. 7 o'clock, uh, the Utes are playing Arizona State on the Pac-12 networks. At 8 o'clock, Gonzaga and BYU on ESPN2. And on ESPNU at 8 o'clock, it's Utah State at Boise State. So... I don't think all four of those games will go to commercial break at once. So you ought to always be able to find something. Yeah, I'll go Jazz, and then I will go BYU. BYU. Yeah. That's my priorities. And then Utah State, and then the Utes. I won't, where I'm going to be, I won't have Pac-12 Network. Ah. Other stuff we have been talking about today. We've actually spent a surprising amount of time on baseball because... Every time you think, okay, so that's the end of that scandal, there's another revelation, and it blows up bigger and bigger. Now it's not just a camera in center field and banging on a drum. Players had buzzers on their bat or on their bodies concealed. There's video out there of uh, Trinos uh, picking something up out of the dirt, and people think he's picking up, and he puts it in his back pocket, and they think it was something on the bat that vibrated. Altuve had uh, basically had a pacemaker or something and is coming home and, and gripping his shirt with two hands. Don't tear it off after a game-winning homer, the walk-off, and everyone's at home plate. Don't tear it off. I've got a piece. I've got, you, can, you can read his lips. It's like the Zapruder film now for baseball fans. I think we're also going to find that Kate Upton was wired. Really? Yeah. How so? In fact, I think she was underwired. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. That was good. Tony, Buck, did they hear it? No. Okay. I just said we're talking about now Tony Parks and Buck are listening now. They're in uh, Yachts producer. Adrian Lizer, you might know him. I said that we're talking about the Astros, the cheating Altuve scandal. Altuve was and wired. Altered. And then I said, and they're going to find out Justin Verlander. You know, I said, his wife, I said, Kate Upton, we're going to find out she was wired. In fact, she was underwired. Come on, guys. I got a little grin and <laughs> nod. There was no falling down. 
That's worth at least Adrian. a seven. Adrian's over there, and he's wiggling the thumb like Caesar, and I don't know if you're going to live or die yet. He's, Adrian's he's bitter. The golfer's gagged at the end of the year, so I haven't been able to get him out of his funk. And the Vikings. <laughs> I think Adrian thinks that was a big year. Yeah, they beat Auburn. He was pumped about Yeah, the I know, game. but it was about the Big Ten title. I know they won the He knew game. they weren't going to beat Ohio State with the Big Ten title. Yeah, but still, you know, you're right there. Who knows? They're going to get killed by BYU next fall. Yeah, Adrian, the, the buck is like Utah fans right now. So, I mean, in a normal day, that would be a knee slapper for him. Real quick, Kershaw, you had his stats, uh, what he did in the postseason. Because he's got a reputation for dominant in the regular season, but can't get it done in the postseason. Now, he's been getting better, but you had the splits on his postseason games and then his postseason games in Houston. And it's like, well, he literally is Sandy Koufax except for when he's in Houston and the Astros are cheating. Yeah, I had it up. I don't have it up now, but it was under he had an ERA under 1 in the postseason. His 2017 World Series, he pitched 11 innings in Dodger Stadium and his ERA was 0.82 and he allowed one earned run obviously. And in 4 innings at Minute Maid, which is the Astros thing where they were doing all the cheating, his ERA was over 6. And he's just been lambasted as the biggest choker out there. No. No, he's done it. In my mind, he's done it. He doesn't have to do it again. He's done it. He crushed it in that postseason. He crushed it in the World Series. He's done it. The one game he didn't get it done in, the Astros were cheating like crazy. So in my mind, he's across the finish line. Except he got lit up against uh, Washington here last year. He doesn't do it every time. But he's getting older now, too. Sure. He doesn't do it every time. He's in his 30s. Right. But in 2017, he did it. That is so freaking he'll, weak. He'll never get full credit for it. Meanwhile, Springer gets $21 million and avoids arbitration in a one-year deal. No suspension for him. No idea. He's going to have to answer questions at spring training. I guess as an Astro, uh, if you cover the Astros, you know what your first 50 stories are going to be about. Oh, for sure. They need to get ahead of this big time. We're going to talk about it. Here's the press conference. You can't just go out there and act like... Nothing uh, happened. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's it. I don't want. Oh, that's in the past. BS. <laughs> it's not yet. Not until you talk about it. Yeah, I called it up. Eleven innings pitch, one earned run, three walks, fifteen Ks, zero point eight two ERA at, in Houston. Four point two innings pitch, six earned runs, three walks, uh, two Ks, and a six point five ERA. There's a lot of stuff. If you just search Altuve on Twitter. And the videos, the memes are hilarious. I've retweeted some of them. But the videos, everybody's a uh, amateur sleuth now looking at the jersey like, you can see the wire under his jersey there. And you really can. Oh, yeah. I think from now on, he's going to have to bat naked. DJ and PK, it's 97.5. The and big 12. nude. I guess he'd be the little the nude. little, yeah. It's 5'6". <laughs> it can't be. That's better than the little noodle, but, you know. All right, everything we've been talking about today brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at lhmdeals.com. When we come back, your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. It's time for your feedback. Brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or com. And that first one, you're wrong, Clint boy. What? He said, if you have to explain the joke, get bombed. No, I didn't have to explain it. I had to Repeat tell it. it to them because they didn't hear it for the first time. You had to retell it. That was freaking funny. It's the best one I've ever had. That's not true. Today. Ryan says, <laughs> see? Best one ever today? This is the kind of English you ripped me for. 
Okay. Ever or today? Pick one. Yeah. That's Bronco. He thought it was funny. All right, go through the laughs. Do it. <laughs> That's you, see? That's <laughs> your <favorite>. hair. <laughs> That's Hillary. What? One before was Simpsons. <laughs> what is that? There's no telling. That's like a, that's what you did after you said <laughs> Wang. And Wang. Ryan says, great game and battle between two stars. Unfortunately, it was marred by a and horrible Wang. ending, including, I, I'm talking here, a horrible ending, including bizarre calls. I'm talking here. Hey, hey I'm talking You see me? Here. I'm talking here. <laughs> Uh, who said what now? <laughs> hey, I'm walking here! Which was ad-libbed, by the way. Shooting on the streets the of New York City, and <laughs> some cabbie almost ran De Niro over, and he yelled at him, Hey, I'm walking here! <laughs> Ryan said, great jazz game and battle between two stars. Unfortunately, it's marred by a horrible ending, including bizarre calls. Oh, jeez. I, I, don't, I don't think the f- foul call uh, a, for Rogue Gobert, they were doing the conga. I'm happy he called it. When you looked at the replay, that was a chop block. They were grabbing him high and low. Come on, everybody. Let's do the conga. That's what that thing looked like. I thought uh, Hayes was doing the conga. And I want to do the conga right now because you're right. That does conjure up the beach, the ceiling fans. I can't. I cannot control myself any longer. I want to do the conga. <laughs> Come on, Buck, do the conga. You and Hatch, do the conga right now. <laughs> Hatch, you tell County they're so straight laced. <laughs> Buck's ready to do the conga, Hatch. <laughs> you baby. Pretend it's a steak dance and some honey asks you to do the conga. <laughs> I despise steak dances growing up. Even when they were multi? Not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a topic for another week. Write that down. We're getting back to that. I never went to one, but I've heard about them. Yeah, I'm sure you have. <laughs> All right, we are out of here. Putting up a quote, poll question. Who's going to the Super Bowl? You can vote here in a minute. It's a big weekend. Who you got, PK? Stay with the home teams. Oh, yeah, man. It's, I, it's no, I'm going to go Chiefs and Packers. Yeah, really? Boo. Yeah. I mean, I don't care either way, but I'm going to go Chiefs and Packers. All right, I got, I got the favorite. I guess by virtue of my uh, love of Aaron Rodgers, the Packers would be my favorite team if I had one. But that's all. Once he leaves, it's not going to be and unless uh, Jaron Hall's the quarterback. <laughs> Jaron Hall? You just, mm-hmm. sent, just sent Jaron Hall to Green Bay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah, exactly. All right, DJ and PK, uh, you can go to uh, David DJ James and uh, cast your vote. Who's headed to the Super Bowl? Work on that over the weekend. We will be back here Monday morning. We'll see you Sunday night on Talking Sports on Channel 2. See you.